Behind the Bite podcast is part of a network of podcasts that are good for the world. Check out podcasts like the Full of Shit podcast, After the First Marriage podcast, and Eating Recovery Academy over at practiceofthepractice.com backslash network. Welcome to Behind the Bite podcast. This podcast is about the real life struggles women face with food, body image, and weight. We're here to help heal, inspire, and create better, healthier lives. Welcome. Well, hello, everyone. You know, I love having a mix of guests on here, whether it be someone who is here sharing their own personal story or someone who is a professional or expert in their field. And today, our guest is a seasoned professional who is sure to have you walking away from today's show with a lot of great, useful information. I'm excited to get our conversation started. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about her, and then we're going to jump right into it. Dr. Jen has been specializing in working with women with eating issues for over the last 20 years. She created the FAB program to empower women to break through those barriers and to live a joyful and meaningful life. Well, Dr. Jen, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So tell us about the FAB program, how it got started, like more about it. What what is it all about? Well, the the FAB program stands for the Food and Body Program. And this is really, I feel like the culmination of like really two decades, it's hard to believe, but two decades um, of the work that I've done. So starting off as a psychologist, I started working at an eating disorder treatment center. And quickly I was like, well, I have found my place. (laughs) And I just found the work um, so challenging, so rich, so rewarding. And with the treatment center, the clients were living there. They were staying there. They were staying with us weeks and months and months, sometimes at a time. So that's really where I got my, my early training. And then I stepped out into outpatient around 2012. And I started seeing people individually in my office in Miami. And what I started finding is that people really needed more. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it wasn't always a treatment center, but sometimes I had to refer people on to a treatment center. But what I was finding is that there were these amazing men and women, more women I was seeing in my office, but I was seeing a couple, like some really great men too. And they were bright. They were go-getters. They had a lot of amazing things going on, but they were struggling so much with their food, with their body, you know, along the spectrum of an eating disorder and many times struggling so much in isolation. Mm-hmm. And the FAB program really came out of seeing that people needed more. They needed more support, more guidance, a team that really understood what was going on, a community around them. And this is really what FAB is about. FAB is really about providing this integrated care in the person's home environment. So the way I, I'm making a little hand motion here around, like we really wrap 
the the treatment around somebody, but in a way that really works for their lives. And we just love it. We love working together as a team and working with these incredible souls. So that's my very long explanation of what FAB is about. That's fantastic. So, you know, if someone's listening and um, hearing like, you know, what you described and saying, oh, around their home environment. So do you actually work with them in their home or is it something, a program where they come to you and work with a team or how does that work? That's a great question. So right now we're doing just about everything virtual. So just the way that we're here. And so we work with people from all over on Zoom. I'm based in Miami and so is our nutritionist. So sometimes people choose that they want to do some in-person with me or the nutritionist and they can do that. Mm-hmm. So that's an option as well. But like our groups, our support groups, our educational groups, all of that is on Zoom, but it's in this live format like this. So it's not, you know, recorded. People are interacting in real time and in live time. Okay. And so is it more people who have more disordered eating and body image issues versus like someone who's got, um, I guess, more of a need for more intense eating disorder treatment? Is that more of the the population you're working with? So what I would say is people fall along a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. So we have some people who will say, geez, I'm nowhere where I was at one point. Like, oh, I was, you know, I had to go to a treatment center. So, hey, Dr. Jen, I'm not there anymore. I don't need to go into a center, but I still really need guidance. And I still really need to understand like, why am I sometimes still struggling with my food or struggling with my body image? Mm-hmm. So what I say is people are along the spectrum. Some people we are working with are under eating. So they're in more of the restrictive mode. Other people are dealing with restricting, but they're also dealing with emotional eating or binging or over-exercising. So it can look a lot of different ways for different people, but like really our mission is about helping people to transform the food and body struggles so they can be living their joyful, fulfilling life. Like that's really what we're about. And these food and body issues really can sort of suck the life, the energy, the joy, your health, your well-being, your peace of mind. So it's really hard to sometimes then accomplish what you want when you're, you know, so focused on all of these things. You know, I really love that you're doing that kind of work because, you know, I do outpatient work too. And, you know, I find it's, you know, you can speak to this too, but I find that there's so much more to it. People think, you know, maybe who haven't struggled with any of this, that, oh, it must just be about the food. It must just be about the behaviors, but there's so much more to it. I find that one of the biggest patterns I see with people is that, you know, they're not putting themselves first and there's these you know, tendencies for, you know, um, it's, it's underlying what's beneath the food or their body image issues. It's like, they're, they're avoiding lots of things about themselves. And so like people pleasing or putting others first is one of these tendencies I I see. Um, I don't know if you could speak to that a little bit, if that's something you Mm -hmm. tend to see as well. For sure. So first of all, I just love that you you know, it's about more than just the food. I always say it's more than just the food and you have to deal with the food. And sometimes I, like I describe it like an iceberg, right? It's like all the behaviors are like the tip of the iceberg, but we're also trying to go deeper to understand like what's really at the heart 
of what's going on. And I think you spoke to something that I certainly see uh, with the clients that I work with, something that I've struggled with myself, right? And, you know, sometimes this idea of being a giver or being selfless sometimes Mm -hmm. means we put ourselves at the bottom of our own list. And that doesn't work so well, right? That doesn't work so well for, I think, any of us as human beings. And absolutely is what I see with our clients coming into fab, right? Even sometimes being able to receive the treatment and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm important enough. This is important enough to really make myself a priority and to really take on this this guidance. So we um, say this thing, which is like being self putting self first can feel selfish, but it is really your self care is putting your own needs as a priority in your life. And I know so many people struggle with that. They think like, oh gosh, if I'm putting, you know, time and effort, energy, even money towards this, you know, that's taking away from my family, my kids, like who am I to do this? This is like you said, so selfish of me. Who am I to do this? Like, I can't do that. My kids need me. Like I'm needed at home. I have to do these things because if I don't do them, nobody will. And it's such a struggle sometimes to get people to actually see like, no, if you put yourself first and take care of yourself, this is a great thing for everybody around you. And so I'm wondering, how do you help people see that, you know, taking the time for themselves and, you know, getting the care is being selfless? Yeah. So it is that kind of cliche metaphor that they say when you get on those airplanes where you've got to put your oxygen mask on yourself <laughs> first and, mm-hmm. and, I think even though that seems a little cliche, there is a reason that that's being said. I mean, literally, like if if we're not taking care of ourselves first, like we're really not doing anybody else a favor. We're not even doing our children a favor or our partners or the other people in our lives. It's like when we are filling our cup first, then we actually do have more to even give. So how do you do that, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. I think it's like planting seeds. But the other thing, and this is where I think this community aspect is so important and why we are doing this work on our own individual path, but then we come together in community because we start seeing ourselves in each other, right? Mm -hmm. So when one of our women in the group says, hey, like, you know, you're, we have somebody who's, I'm thinking who's a mom and very easily can sometimes like miss her meals because she's so focused on feeding her young children. Right. And then like, this is so like, she hears from another woman saying, Hey, like, like that's not going to work so well for your own, your own care. And then she hears herself saying that it's like, oh, like I have to take my own advice. So I do think that there is something that they're hearing from us as the providers, but they're also hearing it in community from other women who really get it. And then the other thing, I don't know about you, but I think I'm always practicing my own self-care, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, right. Sometimes I'm like, oh, didn't do that so well, like put way too many things in my schedule today. And Mm -hmm. I get to the end of my day and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have nothing left to give, like, right. Like even the Mm -hmm. dog, I don't want to take out (laughs) for a walk. Right. So I think it's like, 
I think we're learning by also tuning in and listening to ourselves. So another thing that, you know, I say frequently and other people in on our team is like the body has so much wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so like your body is also going to tell you like, how did you do with your self-care, right? Like, like, did you take care of your rest? Did you give yourself breaks? Did you actually stop and have your meals in a mindful way? Like your body is going to communicate how you're really taking care of yourself. And so that's another thing that we say frequently, like the body has its wisdom if we're tuning in and we're listening to the wisdom, but like, are we always going to get it right? I mean, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. I think we're always like evolving and growing and practicing with this. Yeah, and that's so wise, right? Like if you're getting to the end of the day and you're just spent and exhausted, right? And I hear so many people say, oh my gosh, you know, I finally got to the end of the night and now I don't want to sleep. I, w- I want to stay up because I finally got that me time. And so then they skimp on sleep and then it just kind of goes into the next day. And so I think that can be a clue too. Like you said, listening to your body of like, you know, kind of going like, oh, I, I need that me time and now I don't have it. So how does that relate to, you know, not take continuing not to take care of yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I had a night like that, not last night, but the night before. And I had my beautiful family in town and um, everybody was like, oh, we just all want to stay together. And it like sounded like such a great idea until I was on this like very tiny couch and my pets were all up in arms. And I was like, I slept so poorly. Like, and the next day I was like, oh gosh, you know, my body was just like, you are not feeling rested. Thank God I had sort of a lighter schedule. And I was like, wow, like my body is like, I'm dragging my energy fills off. My emotions fill off. I was, I, I was really trying to be compassionate because I get my intention was let's just have everybody together. It'll be really fun. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun, but the sleeping part was not really fun. So, you know, I knew last night, get to bed super early. I'm going to be in my own bed and I'm really going to take care of myself. So it's like, I think it's, it's always like, it's always a work in, in progress. And like, if I had to do it over, would I have set it up that way? I wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that was, that was, that was my learning, right? Like, okay. It sounds all great until, you know, like I'm sleeping on like a bed this big and like it, did, it didn't work so well. Right. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. I, you know, I wow. think sometimes people think, oh, you know, doctors, therapists, they must have these perfect lives and know how to do everything perfect. Then like, no. <laughs> oh gosh. I will tell you, I, I believe that we teach what we're also learning. Mm-hmm. So everything that I am saying to any of our fab clients or anybody else I'm working with, it's like, it's what I'm, what I believe, but also what I'm continuing to work on. Right. It's like, so, and we don't always get it right, but hopefully mm-hmm. every time we quote unquote, don't get it right. It's more information to learn and to say, okay, what do I get to put in? okay, that didn't work so well. Like, can I have compassion? Can I look at myself? Can I listen? And what do I need to do now? Right. I think that's another part. Like sometimes it's like, it's so easy to feel like, oh gosh, we didn't get it. So right now we're beating up ourselves that we're not holding ourselves as a priority. Right. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. like 
what's my next right step, right? Like what, and I I would say that even for our listeners tonight, it's like, well, self-care can look like so many different things to people, right? Mm -hmm. It could be more sleep. It could be more breaks. It could be more consistent eating. It can be, you know, your meditation practice. It could be your movement. Like, so what does self-care look like for that individual? And like, how do we just do like the next right step, put in one little thing that makes a difference. And for me last night, that was more sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So if somebody's listening and they're saying, well, how do I know if I'm being selfish or not? Like, what would you say to them in terms of like, this is what selfish looks like in comparison to like selfless? Yeah. Well, what I would actually say is if you're feeling like you're being selfish, you might actually be putting yourself first in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like I know for myself, when I started really sort of shifting how I was doing this and making myself more of a priority, oh my gosh, I felt so selfish at first. Like it mm-hmm. did not feel comfortable. It actually felt very uncomfortable. And so I would also say it might be good to check it out with like a really good friend because Mm -hmm. I think you start feeling uncomfortable until you start to develop a rhythm with this, Mm -hmm. right? So like, you know, we're talking about the sleep thing. So we're on the sleep thing. Like, you know, like my partner knows for me, it's like, I go to bed early because my clock just gets up early. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, um, I know we're in the middle of a movie and I got to get my sleep. Like he knows that about me now. Right. So like, I think there's also something about getting really honest about the practices that also work for us. And hopefully like the other people around us are really going to get like, oh, like, I really want to support the person, support you with that because then you're functioning at your best. But I will say in the beginning, it's not going to feel comfortable. And the other thing is if you've trained everybody else around you for a long time that you give and you overgive, people around you are not going to like this at first. Oh my gosh, right? The pushback maybe. like You are going to get pushback. And, and yeah, right? that's going to be the hard part is like feeling, you know, it's like, oh, if I say no, you know, this, if, I think there's even a book, right? If I say no, I'm going to feel guilty. Um, huh? How do people deal with that? Because especially if loved ones are pushing back going like, how dare you say no, or you can't say no, or come on, if they keep begging and pleading, like how do people just stand their ground and keep the boundary? Yeah. And maybe at first. Again, not going to feel comfortable. Sometimes you're going to give in. I was actually talking to a client about that today where, you know, she was really trying to be like very giving to somebody she cares a lot about, but she sees where she like overgave, like went beyond her boundaries. And then at some point, like, and I know this is true for me, but it was true for this client, like at some point got kind of resentful. Mm-hmm. So it's going to come out another way. But like your question, it's like, well, how do you deal with that pushback? <sighs> Again, I think it is practicing. It's like knowing what our limits are. And I will say, I remember um, seeing it was a therapist a lot of years ago. And she was like, well, you know, you're 
you're allowed to have boundaries and you're allowed to say no. And you're, you're allowed to really tune into yourself and know what your limits are. And I'm like, I have no idea what my limits are. Like Mm -hmm. I literally, I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) Like I did not even (laughs) understand that concept. So look, I, again, I think how we figured out is we start doing it. We see the feedback, we start seeing how we're feeling, but look, Sometimes we're also saying then no to certain people if they're not really getting like getting this. Like if somebody is continue, continuously pushing our boundaries or not really wanting to support our no or what's good for us, I think like then that's another conversation. Like how does that person really fit in your life if they're not really supporting what you need to take care of your self-care at your highest level? That's That's another show probably. I'll come on back. Yeah, totally. Let's do that one. (laughs) Right. Yeah, because it's really telling, you know, I hear a lot of people, oh gosh, if I say no, or if I don't, they're not going to like me or they're going to yell at me. There'll be conflict. I just want to, you know, we could do another show on like the conflict avoidance, but um, that's a big fear of like, oh gosh, what's going to be the reaction? I I just say yes, because I don't want to deal with it. I'm afraid of conflict or, you know, somebody not liking me. But I think that's a great point. Like that tells you a lot about the relationship, right? If somebody doesn't like you because you set a boundary for yourself and say no, what's going on there? What's your value and worth in their in this relationship? What is it based on? Mm-hmm. And there is such a connection that I see in the work that I do, and I'm thinking you do too, with speaking up, expressing your needs, being able to have your yeses really a yes and your no really a no, because it it is so connected to food in some way, Mm -hmm. right? Like when you say yes, and I'm going to allow myself to nourish my body and then also tuning in and say, okay, I'm done. And now I get to say no, like, okay, I'm done. And I'm listening to my own boundary of my body and what actually feels good in my body. So this idea of like asserting ourselves, being able to say yes, no, not pretending it's a a yes when it's really a no, because at some point it's always going to come out, right? Like the no is going to come out and probably it's not going to be so pretty at that point. But, um, and I will say like right before the show, I was working with a, a client about that. And when she is not happy with something that somebody has given her feedback wise or recommendations um, on the team through fab, sometimes she just sort of disappears. Mm. And so I really challenged her. It's like, I would rather you say, I'm not going to do that recommendation right now. Like, I'd rather you be truthful than sort of just like, you know, like go silent and basically like kind of ghost us, right? It's like, it's okay to like say, like, I don't feel comfortable or I don't feel ready for that step. And then we get to talk it out and dialogue about it, right? Mm -hmm. But I think it's also like, I would also say to people listening, maybe a good place to start practicing this, right? Of like saying what we need and really putting ourselves as a priority is maybe start with people who are safer, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and then like, then there's the more challenging people. Like, I don't know, maybe you're going to say no to your boss or say, say no to your, who knows, like, you know, somebody in your life that's um, feels a little tougher or a little scarier to risk 
saying mm-hmm. what you need and saying the no. So like, I think a good way to practice is start with people who are like, you know, they want to hear your no, or they really want to hear from you. They really, whatever it is, and they're going to like be for you and they're going to be a yes for you. Yeah. If you just said like boss, I can imagine people saying, I can't say no to my boss. I'll get fired. Right. <laughs> right. Right. That's scary. Mm-hmm. It's a risk, right? That's what you were saying. It's like a risk sometimes to like speak up and say what we need. Like saying what we need is really our self-care, but it can be risky on the other side. If we think somebody is not going to agree, or there's a consequence, or they're going to judge us in a certain way, or they're going to say, oh my gosh, you're being so selfish. And think about it as women, for many of us, I'm generalizing here, but like, we're kind of taught the caretaking and being pleasing. And so for many of us, we've gotten a lot of like affirmation and accolades for those ways of being that Mm -hmm. are beautiful ways of being in balance. Right. And, you know, going along with this is not just setting a boundary of saying no and like, you know, clearing out time for yourself, but also asking for help is along the same lines. And that just seems so scary to people. Like I could never ask for help or, you know, I'm afraid they'll say no, or that seems, that seems even more selfish, like not even, you know, just saying no to somebody, but I, no, there's no way. That's that's a burden. I, I don't want to be a burden to somebody. And I, I don't know how often you hear that, but I hear that all the time. Yeah, I I, I do hear that. And I, I sometimes tell this story of, you know, kind of going through a period of my life. I call it my own dark, dark night of the soul. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was supposed to meet two dear, dear girlfriends. And I was like, we were like going to a restaurant, like something kind of low key. And I was like, I don't even want to drive myself. Like Mm -hmm. I actually want help, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. getting my body physically out of the house. Like I really wanted to meet them. And I'm like, and I remember, and I was a therapist at that point. And so Mm -hmm. I was always telling my clients like, reach out for help, reach out for help. Like it was no big deal. And then I remember like calling my friends up, like, well, somebody like come pick me. I mean, it was like, I was asking them for a million dollars. It was something mm-hmm. so seemingly small, but I remember what made it hard was I felt so vulnerable, mm-hmm. I felt so vulnerable. And I will tell you after that, I was like, geez, I would say that to my clients all the time. Like it was such like no big deal. And look, it can take something right to really like, you know, sometimes it's not even them, like the other person saying yes or no to us. It's like, I have to expose that. I actually feel like I really need this. And at that point, I remember feeling, Oh God, I feel so super needy right this moment. But look, I also think it's really courageous when you feel that vulnerable and you're asking for something and then, geez, how good it felt when my friends were like, of course, we'll come pick you up. It's like, no big deal. Of course we want you there. And it was like, it was exactly what I needed. It was like, whoa, these people love me so much. I can super count on them. You know, I trust them to, you know, be there through this period of time for me and made all the difference in the world. But whoa, was that like <laughs> that little example, like I probably will never forget. And that's so powerful too, right? Because I can just imagine, I'm thinking of so many people I work with who go, oh no, they're going to talk bad about me and be like, oh my gosh, what's she thinking? That's out of my way. There's no way. Or even if they 
even if like you were in that scenario to ask and they said, no, I can't, I don't have the time. Like you'd be so devastated and that I'm never going to ask again. That's horrible. But, you know, I'm so glad you had that experience where they said, yes, of course, you know, Um, because even if somebody does say, no, they can't at this time, like that doesn't mean that they're like rejecting you. It could just be like, they really can't for whatever reason. And so I would hope nobody would take it that as like, never again, (laughs) you know, it's that that all or nothing thinking. That's a, that's a great point too, because even if, um, you know, no can sometimes just mean no, like, or like, no, I can, or no, I'm busy. And then we sometimes add the story, like you're saying, like, Mm -hmm. oh, they're saying no, because they don't like me. Or they say they're saying no, because I'm not worth it. Like we kind of add the story that then can kind of diminish us or have us feel really bad when the person just said no. Like, I will say I'm really grateful in that scenario. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My friend said yes, but I do Mm -hmm. think there is something when we can really start hearing other people's nose, mm-hmm. right? And like not make it mean anything necessarily, right? Um, and maybe there is also, I don't know, I'm trying to think just in, in terms of worth, right? Like mm-hmm. being able to say our no, but also being able, like you're making me think like being able to receive an, a no and just like for whatever reason, it's it's a no. So I get to either try again with this person at another time, or maybe find somebody else that will be a yes, right? For right. something that I would need down the line. Right. That's a great point. Because if, if somebody's always saying no to you, that's different than, you know, you got to know here on occasion, just like you're allowed to say no, you know, if maybe for anyone listening, I'm just thinking like, somebody asks you for a ride to the airport, and it's like, you can't do it. You're going to feel horribly guilty rather than just giving up whatever you have going on. Cause I know people pleasers are always like, no, I'll just put aside whatever I've got going on and do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe being able to say like, I can set a clear boundary say, I would love to take you. I just can't mm-hmm. maybe another time, maybe the next time you need a ride, to, you know, maybe to <laughs> reduce your guilt or whatever, but you know, a no is not always just a hard no forever. It's just a, I can't right now. And there's no guilt in that. No, not at all. And something you just called to mind when you were telling that story is that for people listening that do tend to be like the people pleasers and just like your answer is usually always yes, which on one hand is like so beautiful. Like you, you know, your tendency is just give, give, Mm -hmm. give. And it's like a beautiful tendency. But at some point, if you're giving, giving, giving until you're spent, So it's good if somebody asks you or makes a request, take a pause first, right? Not Mm -hmm. just go into your automatic, but take the pause to really say, does this really work for me? Do I really want to do this? Can I really do it in this time frame? This person is asking this of me, but sometimes just taking the pause to be reflective and not just going into like our automatic way, because again, that's also kind of some of the, the brain, right? The brain just can go into that pattern that it's very familiar. So sometimes we have to take the pause, really ask ourselves those questions to then make a different choice. Great. For anyone listening. Yes. 
<laughs> everything she said. <laughs> now, I'm just curious for you, you know, if we relate this back to food, you know, if somebody's getting completely drained um, from just giving and giving and giving and like, their relationships with people are maybe not so connected. How do you maybe work with people and looking at how they now have this relationship with food and turning to food instead of maybe getting their needs met from connections with people? Like, mm-hmm. It's a great question. So the, the way somebody is eating, like your food is a mirror for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Your food is a mirror for the rest of your life. So the cool thing about food is given that, you know, like, well, for most of us, we're doing at least three meals a day, you know, depending is you get to practice, like, how am I showing up to that meal each time, right? Am I listening to my needs? Am I honoring my needs? Am I honoring my limits? Because many times with this idea of the people pleasing and always saying, yes, 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 yes. Many times then food can be chaotic. Mm -hmm. So it can look a couple of different ways. One, it could be, I'm sometimes not giving to myself until the very end. Mm -hmm. So that can show up looking like I'm not really taking care of myself with my food during the day. But then at some point, my body's like, I am ravenous now. And then of course, like for any of us, we're so hungry, we're going to then in that setting, overdo it. But in some ways, we haven't overdone it because we haven't actually consistently and in a balanced way eaten and nourished ourselves throughout the day. So, this people pleasing thing very much, you know, shows up usually in the food. Mm -hmm. And it looks like our food is out of balance. So, that's where I'm saying again, like the food is a mirror for some of these other behaviors and what they look like. Right. And I'm just thinking too, as you were talking, you know, you're not really connecting with people because you're just, your role with others is just to do for them and please and like hope that they like you because you're doing things for them. It's not a genuine connection. I'm just thinking like sometimes people turn to food to get that connection. They get the comfort from food instead of the people around them. Oh, very Um, much so. So when you were talking earlier about the emotional eating, um, Mm -hmm. you can see how that would be a huge thing to look at as well. Yeah. And, and like how in some way it feels like the food is, is taking care of us, right? Like I I've had, I have many clients who will say like, oh, like eating, overeating or emotional eating or binging at that moment is like my me time. This is when I finally get to sit down at Sometimes the end of the day, usually it's the end of the day or at night when, you know, everybody else has been taken care of. And now I get my time and this is my time. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, yeah, in the moment, the food feels good, but in a sustainable way, those behaviors don't tend to work so well. Right. So people can very much use the food as like almost self care. And like you're saying, kind of connecting, like, oh, I feel like I'm finally connecting with myself in this, in this way. I'm pausing, I'm stopping. Maybe in the moment it feels like fun and exciting. And then yeah. later it doesn't always feel like that. No, that's a great point, right? So I mean, much, much to what you've been saying this whole time, it's like not 
it's about the food, but it's so not about the food. It's this mm-hmm. it's such a parallel process of what you're seeing. Um, and so, it, you know, for anyone listening, it's, so, it's just so important to look at like, you're not just struggling since that word, just struggling with like how you're eating. There's, there's underlying reasons for all these things. Um, and so it is really important to, to look into that and, and take care of yourself. And I'm so glad you've got this program going on. It's amazing. Mm, yeah, we are. We're just so happy with it. I will say we're just so happy with working together as a team. And we do this very holistic mind, body, spirit, you know, nice. because like you're saying, it's not just about the food. We do have an awesome nutritionist who does mm-hmm. more like we call it like nutrition therapy, but mm-hmm. it really is a deeper issue, right? It's like, I always say that it's almost like unpeeling the onion. It's like the mm-hmm. first layer is like, oh, I'm not really loving sometimes, you know, like, oh, I'm not liking my body or I'm not, not liking my weight. But then it, we keep unpeeling this onion together to kind of get to like, what are all the layers? What is all this really about? Mm-hmm. This is why for most people, like this idea of like, the next diet, it doesn't really work because it's like one thing you're trying to do and it doesn't oftentimes have people go deeper. And, you know, so this is where sometimes people start the diet and restrict, Mm -hmm. lose the weight, gain the, you know, because you're staying on one surface layer of all Mm -hmm. of this. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Jen, you know, we to a close here. Is there any, you know, last final words you'd like to impart to anyone listening today? Um, I know you've given us so much already, but I just didn't know if there's any last final thing you'd like to say. Well, I, I think one thing I would say is for people listening, just acknowledge yourself for that because they're choosing to listen and to learn something tonight and to, to want to take in something in a new way. So you just doing that is like something to acknowledge yourself for. And like, thank you for having this show and these topics that I think are so important. And to me, it's like lifelong learning, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, do we ever just arrive at like the perfect balance of (laughs) self-care? And like, it's always a work in progress. So I, I'm a big believer big believer that we always need our, our guides and that we're always evolving. So, so those are my final words for right now. Fantastic. So if people want to find more about you, your program, like how do they find you? So I would say the best way is fabprogram.com and it's, you know, pretty easy to find us. I mean, I'm sure you can find us on social media as well. I'm Dr. Jen Nardozzi. So you can look me up that way as well. And, and on our website, fabprogram.com, there is a little like self-assessment quiz that takes like two minutes and it kind of goes through things around food and body image. If you're like kind of curious, where do I fall on the spectrum? And if people want to set up a consult with me, they can do it after taking the quiz and just sign themselves up to meet with me for a few extra minutes. If you want to talk more about any of this. That's fantastic. Great. And I will have all that information on the show notes. So don't worry about if you didn't get it down. So they'll find you on there too. So great. Right. Well, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. It's been fun. Thank you. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. 
It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guest are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.